NFL officiating is bad. And that's the end of that sentence. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Two Steelers fans in a pro football world. I am Zach. And I am Dill. And we are here to bring you all of the news from the NFL, USFL, and XFL from a Pittsburgh Steelers fans perspective. And this past week, the Steelers fell to 4-3 and three against the Jacksonville Jaguars, which, you know, Jacksonville's a good team. Uh, we understand that they're definitely playoff contenders. They're definitely, um, you know, they, they won their last five straight now. Uh, they are a good team. Uh, unfortunately, we did not lose to them because they're a good team. We lost to them because of two reasons. One, we suck. <laughs> and two, uh, as Dill mentioned before, it, the, the refs pretty much had money on this game. And I'm not that, that's not confirmed, but it's all but confirmed. Um, this was probably the worst officiated game I have seen since they claimed Jesse James didn't catch that ball, which he did. Jesse James caught that ball. He did catch that ball. We have to do our daily reminder of it. <coughs> Bless you. <coughs> Bless you. Sorry, I'm allergic to bad officiating. Ah, that's facts. That's facts. But anyway, hopefully we get some better officiating this week uh, coming up against the Titans, which will be they will be playing the day that this podcast will drop. So that's nice. Um, but yeah, so honestly. It was a really hard game to watch, which it kind of sucked that I was at the game to an extent. Always a good atmosphere, though. Yeah, so. by the way, you got burned that jersey, dude. Yeah. I think because uh, I'm going to one more game this year, I think I got to wear the Watt jersey now. That's the only one we have left that's not freaking cursed. Well, right. And at this point, at this point, because I wore, yeah, I wore the Ben Roethlisberger jersey the first time. He's not playing in the Berg anymore, unfortunately. So uh, that jersey, it's understandable that it's not lucky. But the pit, the picket jersey should be lucky. Unfortunately, he didn't play the whole game. Um, so we're going to have to put uh, the TJ Watt jersey on. Because I think what it is, is it's, it's the like the Hall of Fame player on the team at that time, you know? I, which, we can hope. Which person is the staple? I think that's whose jersey I have to wear. And if all if all of those fail, then next season I'm wearing Mike Wallace because that's just my lucky number. Don't wear Mike Wallace, dude. You'll get bullied out of the city. No, 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 no. But he it's he's my lucky number. It has to happen. I okay. Anywho's enough about the jersey. Uh, really, I mean to go into the calls. Starting off first, uh. Not the offensive drive. We screwed ourselves over on that because DJ forgot that he in his last couple games he forgot that he's the guy that drops everything and decided to remember it today or this past weekend. Um and uh so offense went three and out, which we expected. Uh even though the first play was actually well drawn. Oh my out. gosh. That 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 hurt me on a psychological level. I that was a Deontay Dropson moment right there. It hit him in the hands, dude. It hit him in both hands. I pretty much lost hope in the game. I don't. I mean, like I didn't, but I. I think like part of my body lost hope in that game as soon as he dropped that ball. I mean, I, knew, I was like, "This is going to be the type." You would have. That would have been a seventy-five yard touchdown on the first play of the game. Yeah, or at least like a forty-five yard pass play. Yep. Um. But yeah, with with where he was, and I mean, we know his closing speed. Yeah, he would have been gone. 
Um, and that's exactly what our team needs. They need a play off the gun to jumpstart, not, not to jumpstart the offense, to jumpstart the fan base. Like, the fan base, uh, I guess, despair is almost the, the Steelers media. Or not even the Steelers media, the Steelers, like, hype-up team. I've been to two games this year, and they haven't played Renegade at either of them. They didn't play Renegade on Sunday? They didn't play Renegade on Sunday. And there was a time that we were within a score, and we could have really used a Renegade, and they just didn't play it. Yeah, what, what, what are we doing? I guess maybe you don't want to waste it, but... I know, but because we ended up almost allowing a score, or we might have allowed a score on that drive, we could have used the Renegade. But, oh well. Either way. What, what was the other game? Was that San Francisco? Yeah, so it was understandable yeah. that we didn't play it there. We didn't have a chance. Um, But anyway, so... First bad officiating call was on the first defensive drive of the day. Um, James Pierre made a absolutely amazing coverage play on third down. And then they threw a late flag, said it was pass interference. And uh, Jacksonville ended up getting a free uh, three points out of that drive. Um, then the next one was... A bad roughing the passer call a couple drives later. No way was that roughing the passer on uh our, I don't even remember who came in to make that play, but there was definitely no pass interference. Um, because Trevor Lawrence released the ball after he got hit. Or at least simultaneously. So for all uh the defender knew he was making a sack, you know? And there should be like, and there's unless it's like an unnecessary roughness in general, there is no roughing the passer if it's a sack. So that's kind of the whole point, right? Um, or at least there shouldn't be. There's debates about that too, but still, um, because I believe last year Cam Hayward made an official sack and they called it roughing the passer, and they were like, um, what? But that, yeah, that was another call for another day. Uh, but then uh, the following drive after that, Kenny Pickett was uh, running down and he ran out of bounds and apparently fumbled the ball out of bounds, which this call bothered me too because they said he fumbled the ball out of bounds, but he just, he basically bobbled it because he still ended the play. With oh, that was, I totally forgot about that. That was bull crap. Because, and why that was, a lot of people are wondering, so why is this call crap? Because one, it took, and not not just time, because it took 10 seconds off the clock. But two, it wasted about five minutes of our time. And at this point, I'm already kind of regretting being there. And it just, it wasted the time of the league, of the players, of the fans, um, and it, and it ended up wasting 10 seconds of clock time. And that just, it didn't make any sense. Um, because he didn't fumble the ball. And then, so, and it was a bad spot to begin with. 
originally, and then they respotted it with the fun. It was so bad. But anyway, so then immediately after that, they call, or Kenny gets pummeled, but they don't call roughing the passer. That was and, that was the most irritating. I don't know if that was the most irritating, but it was certainly one of them because it was a really similar hit that um, I can't remember who it was, but whoever laid that hit on Trevor Lawrence that they called roughing the passer on before. And then that happens to pick it, and they don't do anything. It was very, very annoying. Well, and not even that. It was actually – it was almost kind of different where Kenny threw the ball. Trevor Lawrence got hit as he was throwing the ball. And Kenny, you know, kept it a little bit late, and the guy probably should have – like, if he would have finished the tackle just generally, it wouldn't have been that bad. He bear-hugged Pickett and then, like, basically drove him into the ground. And there's literally the, the roughing the passer rule is driving full body weight onto the quarterback into the ground. And what what really ticks me off is it almost seems like the NFL doesn't want Kenny Pickett in the NFL because Kenny Pickett got injured on two plays last year. And it was pretty much almost textbook the same two things, but never once in any of his three injuries from a hit like that was roughing the passer ever called. And it's like, guys, you're calling it up, calling it for pretty much every other quarterback in the league, but not Kenny. Right. What, what did he do to you? I, yeah. And then it, it just, it brings it back. You know, the, it, and Steelers fans have been complaining about this for a while. Um, and many of the broader NFL has been, you know, very annoyed with them. Well, it's it's not even just about the fact that Pickett keeps getting leveled and nothing keeps getting called. Roughing the pass is just so wildly inconsistent. And it's just so annoying. They need to figure it out. They got they there's gotta be some sort of hard reset on these rules because I feel like half the time the officials don't even know what they're doing. But it's not just – it's not a Steelers-specific thing. Everybody gets mad about it. Like, you know, because it happens all over the league, and they just just don't fix it, and I don't understand why. Yeah. And, um, I mean, yeah, it it is true. I I will say in probably in more recent years, um, the Steelers have – we've gotten some help in some games. You look at the end of the Rams game. Uh, Even though that really, we broke it down, it really didn't make as big of a difference as people claim it did. Um, There was also a Bears game, I believe, two years ago that we got a lot of calls in our favor. Um, But in, in all reality, in the last, I'd say, five years, it seems like the NFL, especially the refs, have been very against the success of the Steelers. You look at the Jesse James catch. I mean, honestly, TJ Watt getting held on most plays. Yeah, I don't. That's um, that's less. I mean, that's annoying, but it kind of happens everywhere. Yeah, I mean, you can't. The, yeah, the reality but, is, you can't call every single holding because otherwise, you'd be throwing a flag every single play, and that's just not practical. That's true. There's some that they they should definitely be throwing. No, I mean, if the flag, dude gets put but... in a chokehold, then you, you really ought to do something. But yeah. like you know, it's like shoulder pads, and I'm I'm a big fan of letting people play. I'm a I'm a huge advocate for that. 
so long as it goes both ways. It can't just be, you know, one way. Yeah. Actually, I, I just remembered another one that I'd say goes kind of under this list, and it was the Minka where, where Minka and Joe Hayden blocked a punt against the Packers uh, not too long ago. Oh, like one yeah. Or two years they ago. got him for like an early get-off, even though. And, they, and you look at it, and it's perfectly timed. And it wouldn't have been bad if they didn't say – like, they called it, and then they looked at it again. Like they actually looked at the footage, and they were like, yeah, this is still, uh, like, offsides. And it's like, no, it's not. Um, but we're And we ended up losing that game. But yeah, which, Here's, here's yeah. a fun one. This is going to be a throwback. 2018 New Orleans Saints. It's like the first quarter. Drew Brees oh throws something God. in the back yeah. of the end zone. Joe Finger, you can literally watch the replay. Joe Hayden literally has one finger on the Saints receiver, and they throw a DPI for it, puts him at the one-yard line, and they score. Yep. Oh, yeah, that was bad. That oh. was a bad one. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's bullshit like that. But the biggest, pro- the biggest thing that happened in this game, the, the most annoying thing was I, – I, dude, I lost my mind when I saw this because I have never seen this before. They're lining up to kick a field goal in the half, right? Snap, hold, kicks up, kicks good, should be nine to six, except no. They throw a flag, and they call offsides on the offense, which I didn't even know you could do. And I was with one of my friends, and he's like, oh, yeah, if the lineman's, like, lined up over the line of scrimmage or something, then it's not okay, fine, whatever. That's a wacky rule, but, you know, those happen sometimes. Um, they showed the replay, and everyone was kind of like, what, like, where, where, where? And then – And it actually looked like the Jacksonville player was over the line, not ours. Well, this is the best, the best part about that is that later that still is Boswell, he puts on his Instagram – a picture of that exact play with a line drawn where the line of scrimmage would be. And the Jacksonville guy is over the line. And the guy they called the penalty on Sumalu is like a foot behind it. Yep. So it's like, what? Like, what are we doing? Yeah. And, and that, yeah. And they moved Boz back to a 61 yard field goal and he missed it. And I was like, what, what ticks me off almost even more is that Boz was perfect on the year. And he just made a 55, 56-yard field goal again. Yeah. Which was going to put him in the lead for 50-plus, or at least pretty close to the lead for 50-plus-yard field goals made on the year. Right. And that that just ruined that statistic. And, yeah, I mean, in theory, he, he should be able to make a 61-yard field goal. But did you see the weather conditions? Yeah. The fact was, that it... he made a 56-yard field goal is actually majorly impressive. Yeah. So, yeah, that, yeah, that was that, that was the that was the big the big calls because after that everything just kind of became moot at that point. Yeah. Everything just kind of didn't matter. Well, um, mainly because Kenny Pickett was out. Well, yeah, and that, so, we I, I really knew we were going to lose that game when Pickett was. I out. thought he was going to go out. He had his helmet on and his pads on the sideline. I was like, oh, he's ready to go. And then they declared him out, and I was really confused. Um, but Me whatever, too. it doesn't matter. But in any case, so. This is something that I saw on Instagram earlier today. This is not the first instance of Kenny having rib problems. Even against the Rams last week, he was having rib issues. He just didn't go out for it. So I don't know if this is like an overarching thing that we need to address, but apparently it's been a season-long issue that he's like, you know, every now and again, he'll go off to the sideline, like grabbing his ribs. Like it's, I don't, do we need to look at that? Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but something is clearly going on. 
I mean, it could be that he's just getting pummeled like really bad right now, and that yeah. we need a better offensive line. Yeah, I, I, I love by the, but I love the people like the hard line, like O line defenders. Like, listen, though, some parts of the O line aren't bad. Like Jones, when he's in, is really good. I still believe in James Daniels and also Mason Cole to an extent, but the, something about it is just not working. You know, like, these guys, Pickett is getting hammered on every single play, it feels like. Like, you know, even when he, he gets back into his rhythm, he throws the ball, you know, it's a completion, whatever, the camera pans back to him and he's getting up off the ground. Like, what happened? You yeah. Know? So he's not getting sacked on every play, but, boy, it sure seems like he's getting nailed. Yeah. And um, I think we, it seems like we're bringing in good talent. And so this is where, you know, we talked about firings in a lot of cases. Is it about time that we fire our offensive line coach? I would. Because at this point, we're bringing – we brought in somebody who was a Super Bowl – he was in the Super Bowl last year. And now he looks like one of our worst guards. Yeah. Like, why? There's, there's got to be something – yeah, there's probably something with the scheme. So, yeah, you could probably blame – I've actually mentioned this before that our offensive line struggles could be possibly attributed to Canada in some of the schemes that he's calling. Um, another thing that I want to point out is that with that, one of the scheme things that I think is hurting our run game is Najee Harris. It seems like when we line up with uh, Kenny under center and then he hands off the Najee who's in the shotgun, that it takes forever for Najee to get the ball. And I think it's honestly because Najee's lining up too far back. And I think that that has to do with the the call of the play or the design of the play. Yeah. Um, because Kenny and Najee are not slow runners. Like, they're not. So there's got to be another reason why that handoff is taking so freaking long. Um, yeah. So that's one. But, like, additionally, it – our our O line is just so bad right now, and we had major players, but when those or like before, we had a really good O line, basically until Marquise Pouncey left. But you also look at that, and a lot of those players, you know, on that major O line, Pouncey, uh, Filer, um, Villanueva, uh, which I still hated it when he left because he was kind of a jerk. But um, yeah, he still, was a real he was, piss head about it. But yeah, but still, he was a good player when he was on our team. Um, and we had some other guys on that line, but they had played together for a pretty decently long time. I think that was the difference: is we gotta we gotta get these guys in the locker room together, in the uh, like on the field together a lot more. Um, so I think we got to get more guys from the draft instead of just bringing in more guys from free agency. But we got to get a better offensive line coach because we've got to get a coach that is going to mold them into a cohesive line and not just have them be the quote unquote superstars they are. Because the offensive line, you can have one guy that's really good, but it's not going to mean diddly squat if the other half of the line is just letting in defenders like a faucet lets in water. All right. Yeah. Like that's not that's not cohesive for yeah. a good line. Um I uh, yeah, like I Mason see... Cole. Last year uh-huh. he allowed oh sorry, but no, 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 you're good, you're good, you're good. uh Mason Cole last year allowed one sack, but the line allowed a lot more. Mason Cole played great at center last year. 
but it doesn't matter because our O-line still sucks. Like, and even if Mason Cole – well, so they probably realize that, okay, Cole's doing pretty good. Well, if we rush the other guy, then we'll get the Kenny Pickett, and they did. So it's it's still – it doesn't work unless every member of that O-line is working at the same caliber. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. This team is just confusing because we go, we'll go up and down and up and down and up and down. It's really frustrating. Um, yeah, I don't, we, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. And the defense, man, the defense plays their freaking hearts out. I mean, like, listen, the defense was not as good against Jacksonville as the numbers would lead you to believe. Like, they, I will say this though, um, they're not the reason we lost. Like Tomlin seems to think. He his press conference, he's like, Oh yeah, the defense got us turnovers, but they weren't in like ideal positions. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If you get a turnover, you should guess not in the defense. Like how like don't get me wrong, the defense wasn't great. Uh they allowed a lot of yards. They would get turnovers like at the you know, inside the the red zone. But turnovers turnover, man. You gotta be able to use it. That's not their fault. If you can't use right. it, that's you know. So I think that was a really stupid thing for Tomlin to say. And in um, all honesty, they gave the offense time to rest. Yeah. In theory, they if they are able to get a turnover in the red zone, that means they the other team burned a lot of clock. And if we can, like burning a lot of clock and not getting points is actually the worst thing that you can do because you just tired a whole phase of your team to get nothing out of it. Yep. You, that is so big if you have a defense that can do that, that can – you. You allow the other team to get into a certain point, and you say, "All right, flip the switch," and they do, and they get that turnover. Right, like that was huge, and we did that for pretty much the whole game until Kenny got knocked out. Where have I seen this before? The Texans game is the same thing. They they play they kept us within basically two scores with the Texans for the whole first half, if not a little bit more of that game. And then Kenny went out, and then the defense stopped. And it, it's because they they lost that wind in their sails. And, it, I mean, yeah, they should still keep playing because, you know, we teams have won with backup quarterbacks before. Mitch Trubisky has won games with us before. Not a lot of them, but he has. Um, and even Mason Rudolph has actually won a decent amount of games with us. If he came in, he could probably do something as long as our defense gives him a chance. So, like, not saying I'm supporting our defense not doing anything, but I'm telling you, in any case, our defense is putting us in a position to win. We just need an offense that can. And um, I, I think as much as I love Tomlin, and I generally love his Tomlinisms and I love him in his press conferences, I, I think that answer is borderline the same an- or like kind of – phrase as Matt Canada saying well our offense can't come back from big, big lead or big deficits um that was also not really, built that, that way a, that was a really stupid thing to say right but I think they serve the same thing it's like they both are saying that our offense just isn't capable of quote-unquote driving the whole way down the field meanwhile our one touchdown I believe was over 90 or it was like 80 some yards uh of total or no no no, no. um Kenny, when Kenny Pickett almost drove us to a touchdown, was that it? Or was it the, it might've actually been the touchdown drive. I think the touchdown drive was actually like around 80 some yards. Yes, that sounds right. Yeah. 
And now, granted, part of it was on a pass interference call. To, yeah, I was, or, like, uh, I was like, pray half of that. Real, yeah, real but, but still, you know, that we our offense is capable of making its way down the field. Yeah. Some of our uh, – I'd say actually a lot of our scores have come on really long drives. You look at our one touchdown in the uh, San Francisco game. It was on like a 98-yard or 92-yard uh, drive down the field. Um, I think our offense, it doesn't have – like in all honesty, it helps to be in good position, but it doesn't have to be. It just needs good play calling and a spark. Yeah. And something that's actually similar in most of these, it needs to be in a two-minute drill. Yeah, I don't know why we're not running the hurry-up offense more. We should just do it on every drive at this point. Yeah. But we were saying that back when Ben was still in the league, too. Yeah, I don't uh, – it's, 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 we're not in a great situation. No. We're, we're really not. That game was rough. Again, we, we said we needed to win it, and I still stand by that. It's really going to come back to bite us later. Um. Yeah, because yeah. now, now the, there's a three-way tie for third place in the division, which is not ideal. Um, yep. Yeah, there's, now, there's also... thank God we are the only team in the AFC that is and 2-0 or undefeated in their division as of now, knock on wood. Yeah. Which is actually a ridiculous stat, that we are the only team in the AFC that is undefeated in their division. Yeah, we need to keep it that way. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the, those are the games that we've – and I can't say we actually stepped up in the Ravens game. Miles Killebrew and Joey Porter stepped up in the Ravens game. That was about it. But still, right. That's good enough. Um, but we that's what we need to do. We need to go in and own them. I don't see us losing to the Ravens because I see the Ravens going on kind of a bit of a big uh, season, and they're going to have the AFC North locked up regardless. And – um they're probably going to sit their starters in the last game and we're just going to have to win. And I think we're going to get that win. So I don't see the Ravens being a problem. I see the resurging Bengals and no, I can't will myself to say it. I see the resurging Bengals being a problem. Um, yeah. Not even the Browns. Cleveland, they'll, they'll do their, yeah, again, they'll make some noise for a little bit and then they'll fall off. And, you know, we do the song and dance every year. I'm not worried about Cleveland. Um, yeah, I mean, we just saw it with them against Seattle where, you know, their offense didn't look bad, but it came down to them making a – like, all they had to do was get a first down, basically. And then right. instead they threw an interception. I'm like, yeah. that's a, that's almost exactly what's going to happen with us. Yeah, They're going to play us. All they need to do is probably do one thing, like get a first down or something. TJ Watt's going to get a strip sack, and we're going to win the game. Yeah, so, Something like that. Yeah, I'm, again, that's Cleveland. Cleveland's the least of our concerns. Really, I think what we're really going to have to worry about is all those jerks in the AFC South, because we keep yeah. blowing those. We keep blowing these games against them. Um, and I'm going to be honest. I thought Tennessee would be kind of a pushover game, uh, but now if Levis just threw four touchdowns, and I know it was against Atlanta, but he just threw four touchdowns. Um, so, you know, yeah. what, 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 what? What? Now, in all honesty, I want him to get cocky in that game. I want to. I want him to think he can pass all that he wants because, in all honesty, is our secondary going to be able to stop him much? Maybe not. 
But if he holds that ball just a second too long, he's gonna he's gonna be feeling the the uh, ground a lot. And I'm hoping that's true because our team needs to get back in the sack category because I and we have a couple, but TJ Watt's falling down. He's uh he's in third right now in sacks. Well, that's obnoxious. Yeah, behind Josh Allen and Daniil Hunter. That's he's a sack. He's a sack and a half behind Daniil Hunter, which bothers me. Yeah, that's that's obnoxious. So, um, I, yeah, but now is, still the only one with an interception. So he yeah. still has my vote for defensive player of the year. Yeah, I, I, he, he's just more of a game wrecker. Um, but that's that's a debate for another day, I think. Yeah. Um. So there's. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of roster moves right. There. I'm a little upset we didn't do anything at the trade deadline. They're it like, looked like we tried to trade for Jalen Johnson. They just ended up not liking what we offered, but we it, tried to make a big push. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I, that would have been irrelevant. It's corner. You know, it is what it is. Um, but so here's something that I was thinking of this, and it's kind of moot now. Uh, but it's still interesting to think about going into the offseason. Um, do you think that we should trade either Mitch or Mason for next year? Because when I look at it, Mitch is not good. <laughs> Mitch yeah. is very, very not good. Uh, he doesn't help the team. You know, he's not even a, he's not even a solid backup. I, when was the last time we won a game with him at the helm? It's been a hot minute. All right, like that's it's just it's not working. Um, and then Mason got the dude hasn't played in what feels like an eternity, so you know, you could play him as you know, he's probably a solid backup, but like I don't know that I really want him as a backup. Um, I don't, I don't like the options we have at backup QB right now, especially you know, if we if Pickett ends up not working out and we have to go into another transitional year where we wait for a quarterback in the draft. Like, I don't trust those two dudes to lead us to anything special. So, if you're up to me, I would trade – between the two of them, I would keep Mason and trade Mitch. And that's, that's you know, that's what I'm thinking about right now. Um, you know, you could probably get some decent value out of Mitch, especially from teams like Arizona, who are – their quarterback situation is kind of a, a – a, 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 um, excuse me, a crapshoot. Um, or even – God, who else? Washington. Um, they'd probably pick him up, you know. Or you could have traded him to Minnesota. You could have traded him anywhere, you know, well, all these guys who are down starters right now. Um, but, yeah, I think could – especially because, you know, Omar Khan has a habit of getting really, really good deals out of really, really crap players. <laughs> Chase Claypool. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that that's, I think, an offseason move that we can make that would, like – that would bolster the team. You know, it probably wouldn't add a lot. You wouldn't, you're not going to get a first or even a second out of Mitch probably, but you could get a third, um, you know, and I would take that. I would rather have a third-round pick than Mitch Trubisky. So I know it's it's not like anything earth-shattering, but, you know, with given the trade deadline that was yesterday, uh, but given given trade deadline and all that stuff, that's that's what I was thinking about. But what do, what do you what do you think, Zach? What, do you, what, 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 what? I definitely agree with, keeping Mason and letting go Mitch because I mean 
Mitch, even this year, he did have. Uh, I I said he probably had one of my one of not my favorite, but one of my favorite in- post game interviews. Um, I actually think he's a good dude, and I think um he's a good presence to have on the team. Um, but in all honesty, right now we are in a position where we need uh like quality over presence. We need quality play over quality presence. Um. Because we have those guys who are quality presences. I mean, Kenny Pickett is one of them. Um, we have a guy at even quarterback who can be that quality presence. And Mason has been with the team for a while. Has he done a lot with it? No, not necessarily. But he's been with the team for a while. Uh, he's had games where he's done well. He's had games where he's done terrible. But I think he's been with the team. He knows the team. And that's going to pay off a lot more to have somebody who knows the system, who knows the players, who has a relationship with the players and is able to, you know, connect on that. So I think keeping Mason is definitely the right option. Personally, I don't know if you could get a third for Mitch. I think your best bet would be a fourth or a fifth, which still I would take in all honesty. And I think that would be – that would be a deal that you can definitely work with. And honestly, that's where the Steelers make a lot of their magic is in those fourth and fifth round picks. So I think that's kind of a good plan there. I mean, I really like Calvin Austin. Calvin Austin was a fourth round pick. Um, things like that. So, yeah, I think, I think getting rid of Mitch, as much as I kind of hate to say it for a couple of reasons, because, again, I like him as a presence. Um. Also, I have a Mitch Trubisky jersey. Why? Did, why? Because uh, when he start, I got it as a birthday present on his uh before he started his first year when after right. we traded for him. All right. Yeah, but it kind of works because it was his failure that led to the start of Kenny Pickett. I yeah I, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Another one of us sounds very confident in that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. It can it's, also it... be one of my backyard football jerseys. That's fair enough. Turkey but jersey. anyway, anyway, um, I definitely agree with keeping Mitch over Mason. Um, but, yeah, bringing in – I think I, – I do like definitely having three quarterbacks, though, so I want to then pose another question. Would you – Getting rid of Mitch, would you try to acquire a free agent quarterback as your no. guy or just get somebody else in the draft with, like, I'd, a seventh rounder? I'd draft – no, I wouldn't spend a seventh. I would get, like, a, I want to say a second, maybe a third-round guy. Why not? But what if, what if uh, Pickett is our franchise guy? Well, then you didn't spend, like, a super high draft pick on him. But, yeah. you know, I'd rather have – I'd rather have somebody that is, like, can actually – push Pickett a little bit because he look he, he's not been good he's been fine and his offense is bad and his coordinator is so much worse and the all, all the coaching is bad I get that but that, that it's you know there's people kind of right you know he that doesn't change the fact that he just hasn't been good am I giving up on Pickett no I, I've said this a thousand and one billion times I'm not making any judgments on anybody until we get rid of Matt Canada because that's that's the thorn in our side right now but, you know, if you get rid of Matt Canada over the offseason, which that's there's no logical reason why you don't, 
you know, it probably couldn't hurt to have the combination of a new guy and also somebody to push pick it a little bit. So I would draft somebody. Absolutely, I would. All right. I like it. Yeah. Oh, also, real quick, did you see on Big Ben's podcast, he brought up the idea of having uh, Byron Leftwich? Yeah, uh, I, I, I would love if they did that. They, they, I told you this. They called the Steelers, and the Steelers just left him on red. Yeah. Supposedly, supposedly. Um, it was just funny to me that in the podcast, Ben was like, and, I, and I'm not trying to badmouth on anybody, you know, or say anybody's uh, not not doing a good job here. But, you know, I, I do like if they if they decide to part ways with Matt, uh, I would really like to see uh, Byron Leftwich come in. I'm like, dude, come out and say it. Nobody cares. We're all saying the same thing, bro. Yeah. Just say it. By the way, Matt Canada is still taking shots at the Steelers fans, and I just, I just don't, I don't get it. I mean, no, dude, the fan base is the only, the only hope, the only people in the league that have hope for this team are the yeah. fans, and There's we don't no even have hope anymore. Off. He's just retaliating because he knows he's going to be jobless next year. No, it's it's facts. Again, he'll never coach it down to football again, and that's how it should be. Yeah. No, I, he probably will. It'll just be for a high school team, and he'll he won't even be their offensive coordinator. He'll go be like a quarterback coach or something. Even that's a hot take, though. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not my hot take. No, but what is your hot take? Oh. Uh, so. what? Nothing. Nothing. No. Go ahead. All right. So, my hot take goes a little bit more into the playoffs. Again. So. I do believe the Steelers still make it to the playoffs. We have a good enough record. We have a good enough defense. And we have just enough luck to say that we have a likelihood of making it. Um, I think the Steelers make the playoffs. And based off of a lot of things that I've seen, I think we actually end up playing Jacksonville. And so, because of that, I think that the Steelers, when we play Jacksonville, and this is solely because, I don't know if you saw it, Jacksonville during their run out onto the field grabbed fans' terrible towels. Oh, even were, after they were And after the game. The game. They, they wrecked the terrible towels. They were disrespecting the terrible towel. And because we didn't beat them in the game, the curse has not been fulfilled. And no team has ever survived the terrible towel curse. So a lot of fans right now are saying that we are now – it is destined because of the way that the officiating went and the disrespect of the terrible towel. It is destined for us to have a rematch in the playoffs with Jacksonville, and we're going to – we're probably not going to smoke them, but we are going to beat them. But that's my – actually, my hot take is that we're going to smoke them. We are going to bring back the entire wrath of the terrible towel, and we are going to beat them in Jacksonville. Okay. And in all honesty, Jacksonville is about a seven-hour drive away from Charlotte. Or no, about an eight-hour drive, and I have a friend that lives down there. And if we play Jacksonville in Jacksonville, I want to go to that game, and I want to wear my Steelers jersey, and I want to watch us win. Best of luck to you, my friend. Thank you. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I surely hope it does. If it did, that'd be pretty funny. Yeah. 
because Jacksonville fans are so funny. I actually went there for a Giants game in a Giants jersey, and the Giants won. And gosh, it is funny to see the disappointed look on Jacksonville Jaguars fans' faces. Yeah, they're they're something. They get uh, they get yeah. pissy real quick. Like they get really annoying really fast. Dude, when we if we if we would win though, I, I just I wanna look to whoever fan is next to me and I wanna be like So wait, I'm confused. Is it the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Jacksonville Jagoffs? Because like really I, I can't tell the difference. That's tough. Yeah, no, the Jacksonville's not winning a Super Bowl or anything this year. Even if, if nothing else, solely because of that, don't disrespect a terrible towel like that. Yeah. Um, gosh, they have a they have a really annoying chant, and I don't remember what it is. Um, whenever they get a first down. And me and a friend of mine, because we were both there supporting the Giants, and every time the Giants got a first down, we we did that chant in the most obnoxious voice possible. Good. And what was so funny is, like, all of the Jacksonville fans were getting so ticked off around us, except this one old guy that was sitting next to us. And every time we would do that, he looked at us, and he would, or, or no, he would look at us with kind of a, like a, a questionable face. And, like, the, the fifth time that we did it, he looked at us, and he's like, you guys are doing it wrong. And he taught us how to do it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's funny. That's a good sport right there. I'm like, I like you. I really like you. Um, gosh, I wish I could remember what it was. But that'll be my first thing after we are done recording here is looking up their chant because I got to I gotta start preparing now for whenever the Steelers get their first first down in that game, you know, in the third quarter. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's my hot take. Uh, Steelers will destroy Jacksonville in Jacksonville, uh, in the playoffs as the revenge of the terrible towel will continue. Myron Cope's ghost is not going to let that happen. Myron Cope's ghost is going to go in and possess Matt Canada's soul, and he's going to call the only good game of his career. God, I hope so. Um, but. Yeah, so I believe that is all that we have for the podcast today. We will be getting this podcast out on Thursday, just before the Steelers-Titans game. And, uh, yeah, so um, catch that game tomorrow for Thursday Night Football. Hopefully it's a good one. Hopefully we uh, can come away with a win here and stay above 500. Um, And just keep our hopes alive in the AFC itself, not, not just the AFC North. Um, and yeah, hopefully it's a, hopefully it's a good week. We, we really need it to be. So, um, but again, that is all for the podcast today. Uh, we are going to end the podcast the way that Steelers fans end every day. Here we go, Steelers. Here we go.